Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will not commit to an inquiry into China's interference in Canada's elections, despite growing calls to do so. The Alberta budget is out, and any plans for the province getting its own provincial police service are off the table, at least for now. And the latest installment of True North's Campus Watch series reports on a university that makes it clear it no longer wishes to hire Caucasian faculty members in some categories. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, March 2nd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. While calls grow for an inquiry into China's interference in Canadian elections, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is not committing to holding such an inquiry. Here's what he had to say on the matter Wednesday. How will your how will your government respond to that request? I think one of the most important things to remember is we have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened, is continuing to happen, and demonstrating the tools we have. Right now, as we're speaking, our parliamentary committee is hearing directly from uh, national security experts uh, and officials as to the work that they've been doing over the past many years to counter ongoing uh, interference. Meanwhile, a newly conducted Angus Reid Institute poll has found that 53% of Canadian respondents perceive the allegations of China's interference to be a serious issue, while 23% believe that the situation is overblown. Along party lines, three quarters of Conservative voters agree that it's a serious issue, 60% of Bloc voters say so, and a plurality of Liberal and NDP voters agree, 43% of Liberals, 39% of NDP. Now, this poll comes after a series of reports from the Globe and Mail and Global News revealing that CSIS has documented alleged interference into Canadian elections and candidate nomination races in the 2019 and 2021 elections. The reports claim that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was made aware of this intelligence, drawing scrutiny over his government's lack of action. Rachel, it's really something to see the Prime Minister basically flat out say, nope, there's not going to be an inquiry, despite the fact Jagmeet Singh calling for it, Pierre Polyev, Gerald Butts, former top liberal advisor, uh, prominent academics, former diplomats. I mean, Trudeau seems to be the only one who says we don't need an inquiry. Absolutely, which is suspicious, and I just don't think it's going to work. We talked about this yesterday. I think there's so much public outrage over this story, and I think the numbers that we just went over really show that. Even among liberals, you know, 43 to 49% agree that Chinese election interference is a serious issue. So that's a large number of Trudeau's base, and they're going to be wanting answers as well. And I don't think the story is going anywhere. Just yesterday, the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation is now announcing that they're paying back $200,000 that was a large financial gift from a Chinese billionaire. So they're certainly feeling the pressure and they're taking actions to sort of rectify some of these issues that are emerging. So I think Trudeau has a big problem on his hands. I just don't think saying we're not going to have an investigation, our institutions are good enough as is, is good enough. Couple that with the fact that we're dealing with a drip, drip, drip story where every day we are learning new elements of this. And let's keep in mind, we're told that there are 11 candidates that the Toronto consulate of the communist regime was supporting backing in some way. A lot of this conversation has been news reports about Liberal MP Han Dong 
we can apparently go down this road for another 10 candidates. I mean, there's there's enough news fodder here uh, to cover six more months of daily breaking news coverage. And one has to think the prime minister is aware of that. So I don't understand why he isn't just saying, well, yeah, look, it's clearly a problem. So let's let's look into it more. The fact that he isn't willing to talk about it and isn't willing to open up an investigation kind of just makes you wonder how much more damning that evidence is. As you just mentioned, we're still waiting for the names of 10 other MPs who were apparently aided by China. What happens if some of those MPs were, they won the election in very close ridings? That's going to be a big problem for the Liberal Party. People are going to be very upset when they see this. So again, you're right. This story could go on for six more months. I don't think saying we're not going to talk about it is going to end the news cycle. It's just going to keep going and going when the media has decided they have something. They don't ease up until they get all the answers that they're looking for. And that's exactly what's going to happen in this case. Alberta Finance Minister Travis Taves says the province is looking for the most affordable way to increase safety across the province. And for now, that means a provincial policing service is off the table. Alberta's budget, delivered on Tuesday, just four months after Daniel Smith became premier and three months before a spring election, would leave the province with a $2.4 billion surplus by March 2024. The budget provided cash for municipalities to provide their own police service but no money for the provincial policing service Smith said she supported during the United Conservative Party leadership race last summer. A 2021 PricewaterhouseCoopers report commissioned by the province said the RCMP costs Alberta about $500 million a year. Those costs would rise to $735 million annually for a provincial service, on top of a $366 million in startup cost, the report found. A provincial police service has long been debated as a means to give Alberta more autonomy. It was recommended in the provincial government's Fair Deal Panel report released in June 2020. The province has begun work to ensure Alberta can transition to a provincial service in case the federal government ends RCMP contract policing or reduces subsidies when current policing agreements expire in 2032. This is a pretty big story in the province. We know that a lot of Albertans are really eager to have their own provincial policing service. As the article mentioned, you know, this would be something that would give Albertans more autonomy in their efforts to separate themselves from the federal government, sort of like Quebec does. Alberta has long said we need to be more like Quebec. We need to model our systems like Quebec. But obviously, there's no money in the budget right now. That being said, the province is having a lot of spending sprees. They are increasing spending quite a bit in this current budget. Anthony, were you surprised to see that they didn't want to go ahead with the provincial policing service or maybe it's not really a big issue right now because of the inflation crisis that we're seeing and the healthcare crisis, which is across the country, but especially strong in Alberta with surgical backlogs and long wait times for ambulance and hospitals. Maybe this isn't really the right time to be spending on new initiatives, but just fixing things that are big problems in the province. Well, Rachel, you you know I love my Alberta friends and family, but uh, I'm guilty of being that Toronto center of the universe attitude person. I tell you, there was a a time in my life, I don't know what it was in my adulthood, when I realized that it wasn't actually the default to have a provincial police service like we have here in Ontario. And I've always found it very interesting that Alberta does not have that because the different three prongs of policing uh, in Ontario, you know, having the Toronto cops, Ontario police, and then RCMP has been the standard for us. And it does seem to work well in terms of the division of of infractions and and issues and concerns that the different forces are working with. So it seems to be something that would benefit the people of Alberta. I did want to ask you, what is the general sense on the ground? Is this a a technical public policy discussion? Or is this people saying this is something that is is very visceral for our daily lives? And and we do want to see this to help us with community safety concerns. 
It's certainly a minority of people who would say that they want to see that provincial policing agreement move forward. I think most people understand that there are public safety concerns, but that can be addressed through a variety of measures, not just through a provincial police force. I think an overwhelming amount of people understand that there are problems within the province, especially in issues like healthcare that need to be addressed a little bit more. So for example, this current budget is actually going to raise expenses by $2.6 billion, with an overall spending of $68.3 billion. And that's a 4% increase in spending from the current fiscal year. But those funds are going to flow to about 7,600 new government workers, mostly in healthcare and education. So the province is increasing spending, but they're focusing on issues that have been existing for a while. Maybe, you know, next year we'll have another huge surplus and maybe some of these issues will be sorted out. I do expect that's probably not going to be the case. I think it's going to be a couple years to really sort out the issues that we're seeing in healthcare with the wait times. But eventually, if these surpluses continue, if oil prices stay high, maybe there will eventually be that money for provincial police force. But it's going to be so expensive and without so many Albertans pushing for this and saying we need this to be fixed immediately and we want this service right now, it's kind of hard to justify spending on that at this time. And Rachel, before we move on, can you give me a sense of what the general response was to the budget among regular Albertans? The budget is always received well when there's a surplus that always is exciting for Albertans. But as I mentioned, there is tons of money being given to new spending, especially in healthcare and education. Albertans love to see that their healthcare crisis is going to be being fixed. But there was also money left over to pay off some of the debt. So another $15 billion of debt is going to be paid off from 2021 to 2022 to the following year, lowering the provincial debt down to $75 billion. That's some of the lowest rates across North America. And Albertans, you know, they're fiscally responsible. They like to know that they're spending on important initiatives while working on lowering that debt. So it was very well received across the province. Of course, you always have the NDP saying the government isn't spending enough. But I think for most fiscally responsible Albertans, this was exactly the type of budget they wanted to see. The University of Ottawa is excluding white scholars from professor positions in order to, quote, combat systemic racial discrimination. The Ontario University joins a growing list of post-secondary institutions taking part in equity, diversity, and inclusion practices. A job posting for a tenure-track assistant or associate public management professor position at the University of Ottawa School of Political Studies note that hiring, quote, will be done in accordance with the university's initiatives to combat systemic racial discrimination. The posting adds that only qualified applications from racialized or indigenous peoples will be considered and evaluated for the position. The university says its new hiring initiatives seek to, quote, remedy the underrepresentation of racialized peoples and indigenous peoples within the ranks of its faculty members and, quote, accelerate the hiring of black, indigenous, and racialized professors in the coming years. Rachel, I think most people would be very supportive of there being a very diverse faculty at a university department. I think the question becomes these sort of very exclusive postings and, and the increasing prevalence of them is perhaps concerning to some individuals. It is concerning, and we're seeing more and more equity hires these days. I sort of stand by the sentiment that if you replace the word white with another race, then it would be racist. So why is it any different when you're saying we're no longer allowing Caucasian applicants? It's becoming far too prevalent in society today. You know, maybe it is a niche, loud group of fringy individuals that are pushing for these things, but they've been pushing for them loud enough and long enough that it's becoming accepted across society today that, yeah, of course, you know, Caucasian people wouldn't be eligible for certain jobs. And it's certainly problematic. I don't think we want to be a society where we're moving in a direction that we're solely identifying people, making decisions about them based on their skin color. But that is increasingly accepted today. 
That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.